Welcome to the Veterinary Career Services Podcast, a show for veterinarians, veterinary specialists, and hospital management. Join industry expert and president of VCS, Laura Anderson, as she interviews seasoned and accomplished veterinarians that share their paths and provide insights that can help professionals achieve their career goals. Today, I am speaking with Dr. Jefferson Nunley, a surgeon and the owner and founder of Tennessee Veterinary Surgical Specialist, a mobile veterinary surgery practice serving the greater Nashville area. Dr. Nunley went to veterinary school at the University of California, then went on to complete a rotating internship at Michigan State. He then completed a residency at the Animal Medical Center in New York City. Dr. Nunley, thank you for joining me today. I'm looking forward to learning more about your practice. Well, thank you for having me. Sure, absolutely. So you started Tennessee Veterinary Surgical Specialist soon after you finished your residency. Isn't that correct? That is. So I started it actually the first day out of my residency. I went straight from uh, finishing the residency, moved down to Tennessee, and started buying equipment and advertising my business. So did you know all along that's what you wanted to do? Or did you consider joining a practice, a hospital? I had worked for a mobile surgeon prior to vet school Mm -hmm. and had always known entering vet school I wanted to be a surgeon. Throughout my training, I became more and more discouraged with large specialty hospitals and brick and mortar model. And I had knew that I had loved the mobile model. And so I was always intending to go back to mobile. Um, I had thought that I might work for my old boss when we were, when I was done <clears throat> with schooling, uh-huh. but life happened and I met my wife along the way. And uh, I decided to start my own business instead of moving to where she was. And it's been the best decision I ever made. That's great. That's great. I mean, that takes a lot to finish your residency and start your own practice right away. Was it, if you needed a mentor, if you had questions, what did you do? It was very scary Um, (laughs) and definitely challenging because you're used to having mentors and support around. You're used to having your own operating room where you can sort of hide and get through everything. And instead I was standing there talking to the vets, doing it all. But after one or two cases, you just kind of realize how much better this is. But if I needed a mentor, I always had people I could call or text and ask questions. Intraop, I was on my own. But I've learned over the years that my training was very good and I could stop and think through things and get through it. It just may have taken a little time. As we've progressed now, it's become second nature and I have less and less of those moments, moments, but I still rely on other surgeons and friends in a, uh, a time of need. Got it. Got it. And how long did it take you to develop a caseload? It's a twofold question because my caseload started to pick up. I, I technically started offering services in September of 2015. Um, But by November, mid-November, I was planning to stop taking cases and start studying for boards. Um, And so in that first two months, I had 
cases, not a full load by any stretch of the imagination, but was doing surgery regularly. And then I shut down the business for essentially two and a half, three months while I studied for boards. And by the time I came back from studying, I was doing at least one to two cases every day of the week. And um, it did take a lot of advertising time, driving around, meeting veterinarians and uh, networking with the local community. But it it began to grow through word of mouth through there. And so how long did it take to you? Your days were full. I originally thought three surgeries was a full day, and that took me probably a year to get to do three surgeries five days a week. I have now realized I can do five surgeries a day with an efficient team, and it took me probably another two years to increase my efficiency, increase my surgical speed to get to that level. Um, And that's where we are now that I am doing average of five surgeries a day, four days a week. Um, Dr. Gooden, who is on my team, is doing four surgeries a day, four days a week. And um, that seems to be as much as we can tackle at this point. Who does your scheduling for you? We have a scheduling service that um, does it for us. So we've outsourced to a call center who takes care of it. They do check on all fractures and otherwise not normal cases to ensure that they're okay to schedule and give quotes to before proceeding. Got it. And so your caseload primarily consists of orthopedic cases. Isn't that correct? Currently, we're about 85 to 90% orthopedics. I personally prefer orthopedics. Um, veterinarians in Middle Tennessee are more apt to perform moderate level soft tissue, and so we don't get as many calls for it. Um, however, we have been getting more and more calls and people asking us to expand more into soft tissue and neurology. Got it. Got it. And so do you miss, what do you miss about a big hospital? Or did, did you think you would miss about a big hospital? I'm probably a different person than some, but I honestly don't miss anything. <laughs> I um, I had had experience with mobile and I knew I did not want to be in a big hospital. Uh, there are so many bureaucratic headaches that go on, so many hoops to jump through, so much RDVM updates and trying to please them that it's just exhausting. Whereas my day is very limited exams, all surgery, what I love to do. And the RDVMs are right there. So I don't have to give them a big referral note or update them at the end of my day. They know before I leave the clinic, how things went and what went on. And it's a conversation, not a sit down and 10 minute letter to them. Right. So this really suits you the way you like to, to operate and your lifestyle. It does. I've, I've, prioritize quality of life over being working all the time. Um, and so most clinics close at between five thirty and six. And so they want the animals off the table before four thirty, which means I'm usually home with my kids early afternoon or late afternoon. I'm never at work after 6 PM. Um, and so I get 
generally my days end at 4.30 and I can be there to coach my kids sports and do the things that I want to do outside of work while at the same time still getting to do the parts of work that I love the most, which is surgery. Right. Right. And with no headaches, no drama, just going in and, and cutting. Exactly. And another big advantage is I, I don't have to worry about finances or discuss finances. Ah. And I know that it can be a stress on people. Um, the clinics take care of 100% of that. They don't even get in touch with us until the owners have committed to our services. And then I get involved and talk to the owner generally once before surgery, once after surgery. And then the five to 10 times a year that there's a complication, we get more involved in, and deal with the owner, but really limiting our headaches. Yeah, that's that's a huge headache. There's so much less client interaction. And then when you take the finances out of it, that's huge. I, I hadn't really thought about that piece of it. Yeah, I get none of the people saying that I don't care about animals or their animal. They don't they don't get through to me until they've already had those discussions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so your associate joined in 2018? He did. Um, he was a career change from a equine surgeon to a small animal surgeon. And he spent one year training with me and the past year and a half on his own. And everything that he tells me, he is the happiest he could ever be from one, the career change standpoint, but that uh, business is going well and his quality of life has increased dramatically and he's uh, extremely happy. And that's a big change. Um, I'm married to a horse vet who has a referral and ambulatory hospital and being an equine surgeon, you, there's a lot of on call, <laughs> a lot of colic surgery. Yeah, exactly. He went from uh, 48 weeks a year on call to never being on call, never working a night or never working a weekend. And he said that it's just, he didn't know these opportunities could exist. Uh-huh. So again, you said it took one year for him to make the transition from an equine surgeon to a small animal surgeon? It was slightly less, but that was what we had originally agreed to. And so got it. He, he, he did most of it in 10 months and then has finished up the rest of it along the way. But, um, you know, we, the caseload was there and, and we spent a lot of time and, and, and had him fully trained in about 10 months. Got it. And so your practice has grown so much, you're hiring a third surgeon. Exactly. Um, Middle Tennessee is like a couple of other markets in uh, America in a hotspot. And uh, it just seems our population is about to double and it has doubled in the last 10 years. Um, everyone is moving here and everyone has pets. And we've been very underserved in specialty medicine, Nashville itself was a little late to the game with the first true specialty hospital only coming to town about 10 or 11 years ago. Um, and since then, you know, the population is so dramatically increased. There are two, what I would call medium sized specialty hospitals around for about two, two and a half million people market. And so there's a, a huge need for another surgeon. And so Dr. Nunley, when 
you would add a surgeon, do you have specific hospitals that you go to and Dr. Goodwin goes to his own or do you interchange hospitals and with the third surgeon, um, how, how would that work? A little of that is to be determined. Currently, we do not do that, and we ask hospitals to not request a specific surgeon unless they have a specific reason to, just because we are have a call center managing it. It's easier if we just say, we will get there as fast as possible. Very occasionally, either we have a friend that is asking for one of us or we have done one side and the owner specifically wants us to do the other side, we will, but we try to leave it open. That being said, he lives in a different part of town than me and the third surgeon could live in a different part of town than him. And it might make more sense scheduling to not have us drive from one person's driveway to the other, essentially to do surgery and keep them going in independent directions, but that is, those are logistics that Dr. Gooden and I are personally working on setting up some facility at his house or on his side of town as a meet location. So he doesn't have to meet it at the central location just to shorten his day. And it's an opportunity that if someone else lived on another side of town, we could do the same thing just to, again, shorten the day and, and make the commute as easy as possible. Got it. You have two dedicated technicians, and then the hospital provides uh, an anesthesia tech. Is that correct? That is correct. Both Dr. Gooden and myself have two technicians that ride with us um, at all times, other, you know, extenuating circumstances, vacations, or sick days. Um, and then 90% of our hospitals provide an anesthesia tech. Some of the smaller single doctor practices will occasionally struggle to provide the tech and one of ours will jump in and help monitor. They are all cross-trained and know what they're doing, but we do ask and rely on the hospitals to provide that one to facilitate us getting through, but our technicians are, are, are busy the entire time. That's wonderful. I mean, you've got a dedicated team. I'm sure that increases your efficiency and just helps the day go smoother when they know you so well and vice versa. Oh, it's it's been a game changer in that regard. Um, I hired, I guess, three years ago, a, um, a, a lead technician that goes co- as our practice manager. And the efficiency has dramatically increased. Um, no supplier inventory questions anymore. She has... Uh, Things are running like a, a well-oiled machine currently, and the the team technicians are they get to the point where we don't even have to speak other than to say screw sizes during our re- regular surgery. They they know what to do. We work hard on not having turnover and, and keeping our team happy, and they scrub into every single procedure, start to finish, no matter how easy or simple it is, because that's what they're there getting paid to do. They aren't there to do anything else other than to speed surgery up. Mm -hmm. And so this is your sixth year in business. If you, looking back, Dr. Nunley, over the years, is there anything you would have done differently? That's a a good question. Not a whole lot. I'm sure I could think of some little things and, and things I've tried that haven't worked well, but nothing per se is coming to mind. Um, I, I've, managed to develop an excellent rapport with 
again, right now our current clinic list is about 150 clinics in, in my area. Um, and we're actively moving into two new areas that are just on the outskirts of where we are now that probably have another 25 to 50 clinics. I think when I first started, one of the things I didn't do was buy every piece of equipment up front. And in some ways, I'm really happy I did that. In other ways, my wife was yelling at me because the first three calls I had were for 1520 fractures. And I didn't carry 1520 plating equipment at first. And she's like, why not just buy? And I was like, well, I was planning on doing mainly larger dog stuff. And that's not how it started out. And I didn't want to be sitting on a pile of debt. And so we've done everything debt free essentially the entire time. And again, I can't think of anything that I would truly change in how we started it. That is being said, Dr. Gooden drives a minivan and um, we struggle to fit four people in the minivan along with all the equipment. So I would, I would have gotten him a larger car to start with, but we are in the process of getting him a larger car as it is now. So you provide the vehicle. I do. I, I provide the vehicle um, and he, he can use it for both company and personal use. Um, and the reason we need four is we almost every summer have a summer student ride with us from either, you know, uh, someone going to vet school or a second or first year vet student that wants some surgical experience. And um, just having the extra room to bring someone along is always nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is the most rewarding aspect of your job? You know, rewarding is a, a, a good word because I do, I, I take a lot of pride in our work and, and making animals better. Um, I truly think we are providing a service that the local specialty hospitals are not. And I feel like I have probably 200 veterinarians that have learned more and count on me for advice, friendship, whether business or medical Um through this. And, and it's just awesome to see how happy they are, how much I've helped their business and their, their patients. Um, I love doing surgery. I love animals. I am a people person as well. So I just really like the fact that I have such a support network out there of people that I truly think we have impacted their, their overall well-being in their life outside of just the dogs and cats that we are, are helping. I've never had one of my pets have mobile surgery, but it's got to be so much easier, I would think, on the pet owner and the pet. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, you don't have to drive across town. You don't have to sit in traffic. Your pet knows the clinic and the facility and the doctors they're going in. So there truly is less anxiety on there, but also probably 40% of our caseload is technically rural where for these people to get into Nashville and take a day off work to get an appointment and another day off work to get surgery or pick their animal up. It's, it's a challenge, especially in the times we live in to take extra days off for your dog where they can drop it off at their local facility on their way to work in the morning and pick it up either that night or the next day and not have to deal with all the headaches and logistics and time off. So this might be my naivete, but do you do the rechecks or does the general RDVM do the rechecks? The RVM, RDVM does all the rechecks unless there is a complication or if they say, hey, 
I'm just not quite sure about this and then we get involved, but the number of rechecks that I'm doing in a week is less than one. Okay. Got it. And so you've mentioned the most rewarding aspect. How about the most challenging aspect? Hiring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hiring. Uh Outside of all levels of of people. We we have an awesome team now on our technician wise and um, obviously looking for another surgeon. Um, Another uh, challenge is logistics. I don't want to be driving an hour and a half from one side of Nashville to the other. And that's the beauty of where we are now. We are busy enough and booked out enough that we don't have to do that. We can say, yep, we're going to be on that side of town and it's not a full schedule in 10 days and then we'll fill it up. As opposed to when we were starting, it was first come, first serve. I needed the cases and and doing that. Now that we have a little bit of, of lag between our scheduling and getting to the appointment, we can leave spots open and and not be driving so much, which one has increased our efficiency and allows us to get generally an extra case a day in. And two, it also gets you home at 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon as opposed to ending an hour and a half away from home at 4.30 and then having to drive home. We're, we're much more logistically effective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you had some advice to give to younger doctors who were considering becoming a mobile surgeon or going to a brick and mortar hospital, what what would your advice be? I feel like a number of people coming out of their residency and or surgeons might have a slight, I don't know the right word for it, but not feel like that mobile is as specialty or as, um, you know, quality as you're going to get it, the brick and mortar facilities. And I completely disagree with that statement or thought process. I think, and, and I did speak with a surgeon at a specialty hospital who was looking to make a change. And she's like, I didn't even know that this quality of life could exist and still provide, you know, adequate, if not above and exceptional care to patients. And I think that they, people just don't understand what we're doing mobile. My infection rate is less lower than most specialty hospitals. People are are happy. There is a huge place for specialty hospitals and 24 hour care. But when you're talking about orthopedics, a lot of them don't need the extra cost and headaches of, of the go with brick and mortar. And that mobile is such a awesome quality of life for the surgeon, but at the same time, such a service for the local community, such a service for the local pet owners that I think we make more of a difference in the lives of these animals and people than your counterparts working at large hospitals. We might not have all the bells and whistles, but I assure you my surgical saws and drills are nicer than what the local specialty hospitals are using. Mm-hmm. And your stress level is so much less. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't have stress other than I have too many cases and not enough time to get to them. But unlike a facility that's 24 hours, I just say we'll get to it when we can. And, you know, I can't 
be more than what I am. And, and I really, I don't have the clients mad and upset and, and yelling at us. I don't have what, you know, medical records are done before we leave the clinic and they're a three minute process. We don't have all these things that surgeons do that add stress to their life that are not surgery that they don't really enjoy. Well, that's a wonderful thing to be able to say. Um, I don't think many folks can say there there's no stress or little low stress in their life. That uh... oh, I have four kids, so there's stress there. <laughs> right, but my work is not stress. <laughs> it's coaching the, the their teams and. <laughs> it's actually the logistics of how to get them to four different sport practices, three nights a week with two (laughs) parents driving. Um, That's the hard part. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Well, thank you, Dr. Nunley, for speaking. It's been wonderful to learn about your practice and what it's like to be a mobile surgeon. I, I haven't had that much experience with talking with mobile surgeons, so I was delighted to learn more and um, just nice to chat. <laughs> Absolutely. I enjoyed it as well. And um, if you or anyone has any questions, don't ever hesitate to, to reach out to me. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you, Dr. Nunley. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Veterinary Career Services Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to ensure you never miss an episode. For feedback, questions, discussion topic requests, or if there is anything we can do for you, feel free to contact us at laura at vetcareerservices.com. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Veterinary Career Services Podcast.